So really following the performance five as a framework is what I would advise our partners to do. And then if there's one area where I would suggest that they double down, it's really on this idea of creative. You're listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast, conversations with industry leaders on new trends and products that can grow your business. Today, Vatsal Meta, our Vice President of Business Engineering, sits down with Simon Whitcomb, our Vice President of Global Marketing. Together, they discuss the value AI and automation brings to marketers and the meta tools advertisers can use to drive better performance. Hello, everyone. My name is Vatsal Mehta. I am the Vice President of Business Engineering at Meta. I have been at Meta for almost 13 years. Fun fact about me, I'm a huge Bollywood fan. I watch almost every Bollywood movie that comes out. Today, I am really excited to introduce our speaker, Simon Whitcomb. Simon has been a really awesome partner with me in helping our clients grow their ads business on Facebook and Meta platforms. Simon, I'll let you introduce yourself and talk about a fun fact. Okay, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I'm Simon Whitcomb. I've been at Meta a little over 10 years, and I currently lead a portion of our North America sales team. So today, my team works with some of our largest e-commerce and retail partners. But over the last 10 years, I've tended to work with very sophisticated digital natives, whether they be early stage disruptors, all the way up to some of our largest e-commerce partners. So I've kind of built a reputation as being the DR guy. So, you know, that's kind of my background. In terms of a fun fact, I used to be an entrepreneur myself. I was on the founding team of a video games website called IGN, and I worked in the video games industry my entire career before I joined Facebook or what is now Meta. Interesting stuff, Simon. So to all our audience, I have worked with Simon for a long time at Meta, and he is one of the most advanced and knowledgeable authority on performance marketing on Meta platforms. And we are very, very excited to interview him and ask him questions. Simon, can you share some top of the mind key business updates as you are seeing on our platform? Yeah, absolutely. It's been an interesting couple of years and interesting is probably an understatement. So, you know, I think it's getting off onto towards two years ago, certainly 18 months to two years ago, when we saw some pretty big changes to the privacy ecosystem, the biggest one being the rollout of Apple ATT and the impact that had on digital performance marketing. Now, a couple of years ago, when these changes first started rolling out, I had a lot of conversations with our partners who generally had four questions. And those four, four questions were, when are we going to hit bottom? When will it get better? What should I do now? And will we ever get back to where we were before? And it's been a really interesting 18 months or two year journey. I always joke that my hair was completely brown pre-AT and it's very gray these days. But I think the good news is we've made a huge amount of progress. I think there was a big turning point in the middle of Q4 of 2022, Q4 of last year, where a lot of the work that our amazing monetization team were doing began to roll out into our ad stack, into our system. And it feels like that momentum has really continued into 2023. So I had conversations in January with partners who the conversations went something like this. It was like, Simon, everything in my dashboard is green for the first time in a long time. What's happening and will it continue? And I think what's happening is at a very high level, it's AI driven. 
we have done a huge amount of work with AI. I think a great example of that work is our Advantage Plus Shopping Campaigns product that rolled out last year. I think that work in AI is meaningfully improving the performance of ads in our system. You know, it's not just Advantage Plus Shopping Campaigns. I think we've taken a lot of the learnings from ASC and rolled them out across the rest of the ad stack. So performance is improving. And then we have supply side tailwinds. I think we announced in our last earnings call a 22% year over year increase in supply. So when you're improving the performance of ads and you have more ads, it creates a performance, a big performance tailwind. And I think that many of our partners are leading into that. I also think understanding our roadmap and where we're going moving forward, I would expect those performance tailwinds to continue into the remainder of this year. So I think the outlook is really positive and it feels like we're back and I'm hearing a lot of positivity from our partners. Thank you, Simon. This I am sure is very interesting and exciting to hear for our audience, many of whom are very sophisticated marketers on meta platforms. How does somebody know if they are doing the right things and where could they be thinking about investing in terms of getting the most out of our platform? Absolutely. So I always talk about our platform with the good news, bad news component, right? And the good news is it works, right? The meta platform, whether you're a very large advertiser or a very small business, it works incredibly well. I think the more difficult news at times is it's really complex. And understanding the right things to do at times can be a challenge for some of our partners. And that's why we rolled out an adoption framework that we call Performance 5. Now, the Performance 5 are five tactics that have been proven out with meta-analyses, which we know when our clients follow these best practices, they intend to improve performance. And when they adopt most or all of the tactics, they have an ability to really drive optimal performance. We've seen that time and time again with our partners. And those five areas that we focus on are really this notion of account simplification. So again, if you think about the impact of signal loss on performance marketing, there's less signal to train machine learning algorithms. Therefore, simplifying your account structure so that signal is being pointed in as few places as possible is going to optimize performance. So that's really about reducing ad sets and just simplifying your entire account setup. Automation is a big opportunity. Advantage Plus shopping campaigns, Advantage Plus app campaigns, and Advantage Plus catalog ads all lean in to automation, and that automation is driving performance gains. We're seeing big opportunities on creative, particularly around this idea of creative differentiation. And that means differentiation of formats. So leveraging, you know, all the services that we have, but also differentiation in terms of the creative itself. I think what I found over the years is I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of marketers who will tell me that I feel like we're reaching a point of saturation on Instagram. And when you kind of dig underneath the surface a little bit, they're far from reaching a point of saturation. What is actually happening is the creative is so similar, it's reaching the same distinct audience again and again. So building differentiated creative allows you to open up incremental new audiences. Creative is targeting. And so there's a lot we've done there, and particularly also around this idea of creative fatigue, updating your creative 
on a regular cadence. Data quality, particularly with our conversion API integration is incredibly important. And then validating res results with incrementality or A-B testing is also an important step on that journey. So really following the Performance 5 as a framework is what I would advise our partners to do. And then if there's one area where I would suggest that they double down, it's really on this idea of creative. Again, creative is targeting. You need to differentiate your creative to reach distinct audiences. Now, what does that mean? Well, a great example would be health and fitness advertisers. We work with a lot of health and fitness advertisers, and they tend to have a lot of women in their creative, and a lot of the creative looks very similar. A good way to differentiate would be to work with some men in your creative, or even work with some creators, some male creators, to open up and unlock new audiences. And then creative fatigue. We see the once what the same person has seen your creative three times or more, the chances of them converting on that creative drop significantly. So updating creative on a regular cadence is also incredibly important. Thank you so much, Simon. This is a, such a simple framework, but highly effective. And customers who have tweaked their campaigns, even a little bit based on this guidance, have seen huge increase in the results. So thank you for sharing that. When it comes to brand advertising, we talked a lot about performance marketers and they are starting to explore different ways to also build their brands. What are some of your thoughts on brand advertising and how it works in the performance marketing world? Yeah, we're starting to do a lot of experimentation here and understand work in terms of full funnel, in terms of understanding the full funnel and the ability to drive earlier stage customers down funnel. And yeah, you know, we've done a good deal of testing in this area where we're approaching having a meta-analysis here to really show that partners who are engaging in upper or mid-funnel campaigns plus lower funnel campaigns are seeing exponentially better results than those who are just focusing on lower funnel campaigns. So I would advise any of our partners really to lean in here and to do some experimentation. I think Reels, and again, I think we could talk about Reels as a separate topic, but Reels is a really interesting opportunity here. Short form video is a phenomenal mid-funnel opportunity to really drive awareness and consideration and maybe using Reels in combination with Advantage Plus shopping campaigns or other lower funnel tactics are some of the tests that we're exploring right now where some of our partners are seeing some really encouraging results. Thank you for that answer. I think Reels is such an amazing storytelling platform that can work both for brand advertising as well as performance marketing. And we are seeing advertisers who combine both brand building and performance marketing, as you said, full funnel are seeing really great success on the platform as well. When it comes to omnichannel, I know you also work with many of the most advanced retailers in the world. How are you thinking about omnichannel and what kind of trends are you seeing on omnichannel marketing? Absolutely. This is one of the most exciting areas, I think, of the business right now, or one of the things I'm personally most excited about. So in my current role, I work with a lot of our largest retail partners in North America. And what we've seen for some time is many of those retailers are leaning into our supposed e-commerce solutions. You know, Advantage Plus shopping campaigns would be an example. Advantage Plus catalog ads would be another example. And not only are they driving e-commerce outcomes, but there is a measurable halo effect on in-store outcomes. 
and where partners are sharing offline data when they're using our offline CAPI integration, we're able to see really clearly the halo impact of those campaigns on in-store sales. And interestingly, you know, what we're seeing oftentimes when a partner can actually measure omni-channel ROAS, approximately half of the ROAS is coming from e-commerce and half the ROAS is coming from in-store. So it's significant. I think the progress we've made here and some of the results that we've seen have really pushed us towards this idea of like, what if we could begin to measurably increase and drive those omni-channel outcomes through omni-channel optimization, omni-channel targeting, the ability to target at a local inventory level, depending on the location of a consumer, and then optimizing for either an in-store or an e-commerce purchase. When you look at the retail landscape today, even despite the pandemic, which drove massive, about 10 years growth in e-com over the space of just 12 months, about 80% of sales are still happening in store. Even the most e-commerce centric retail partners are probably 40% or 50% e-com and still 60 or 50% in store. In store is here to stay. It's incredibly important. So kind of harnessing the optimization power we've had in e-com to drive in-store outcomes is just a huge opportunity for our retail partners. And I'm really excited that we're leaning in here and and really thinking about building out a product. Exciting stuff ahead. So Simon, thank you for this. There are a lot of great things happening on our platform and marketers and advertisers are getting a lot of benefit. Now, as Meta, we have always taken privacy very seriously in our advertising. And over the last few years, we have made tremendous advancements in privacy-first products. How do you think advertisers can continue to gain high performance in an increasingly private world? I think in the United States, there have been huge changes to the privacy ecosystem. And then, you know, you look further around in the world, there are changes happening all of the time, whether they be regulatory or platform-based changes. I think the future of performance marketing as a whole on the internet is, I would say, is probably fair to say is unclear today in terms of how the privacy landscape moves over the next three to five years. I think one of the things that we're seeing, and we're having conversations with our partners about this right now, is is partners are having to, to really trade off performance for control. Because with those privacy changes, I think it's much more difficult now and will become increasingly difficult in future to be able to, let me come up with some examples here, be able to very clearly separate prospecting audiences from remarketing audiences might be a good way of doing that. And I think that one of the ways that we're finding that we can increase performance is by leaning into automation. So our Advantage Plus shopping campaigns product is a great example of this. ASC, in ASC, we automate decisions around targeting and creative that historically an advertiser would have controlled themselves. Now, what we can do with AI is we could do hundreds of thousands or millions or even tens of millions of iterations of target audiences and creative to find the pockets of performance that will drive your business outcomes. So AI here by sheer computational power can do significantly more than you would have been able to do yourself historically, but ultimately 
you just got have to be comfortable ceding that control to AI. I think some of our partners are very comfortable with that choice and are leaning into it right away. And I think others are more uncomfortable. And I think I have a lot of empathy for that discomfort. You know, change is difficult to navigate. And I think over the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot of changes in the ecosystem really kind of driven by this problem. So a lot of work ahead, I think, as partners get used to leaning into automation and AI. So thank you, Simon. Advantage Plus shopping campaigns have been a huge success for our advertisers. And everybody's wondering what is coming next? How do we prepare our teams toward this future? And as you are talking to some of the most advanced CMOs in the United States, what are some of the things that you talk about and what would you advise them to prepare their teams for continued innovation into the future? Yeah, I mean, again, it's really leaning into automation and AI. A lot of conversations about control versus performance. Advanced Plus shopping campaigns has been a huge game changer for us. So we had our first performance marketing summit in our Menlo Park head offices last September. And I opened that event to 650 of our biggest partners. And I said at the time, if you do one thing today, it would be to walk away and adopt Advantage Plus shopping campaigns. And Advantage Plus shopping campaigns has been the fastest growing product in the history of this company in terms of speed of adoption by our partners. What ASC does is really automate decisions around creative and targeting. Like I said earlier, it does millions of iterations of what our customers would have done themselves historically, and then finds the best combinations for the best audiences and scales out performance. It works. It works incredibly well. And we intend to iterate upon that product moving forward. So some of the things that are coming on ASC is the ability to target by demo and the ability to remove placements. And you'll see more things on the roadmap moving forward. We're really beginning to think about value within Advantage Plus shopping campaigns and other things as we go. I think another change to the ecosystem that we've seen is there's massive changes to the measurement landscape. So when I first joined Meta or Facebook as it was back then, I remember you and I worked together, Vatsal, in like holiday 2014, right? We were still in a desktop world where everybody was using last click. And I think holiday 15 was going to be the first holiday where we delivered more impressions and conversions on mobile than we did on desktop. And we started to think about the measurement challenges. And if you cast your mind back then, we developed products like Attribution Checkup that we worked on together. Remember that? And then we started leaning into incrementality as a company. But ultimately, you know, back in 2015, in fact, all the way up until 2020, 2021, most of our advertisers had a data set that they could build a single attribution model on that they would have the confidence to make investment decisions using. And if you look at where we are in 2023 and really thinking about where we go in 2024, there really isn't a data set robust enough to build a single model to rule them all. So what we're seeing is a huge amount of innovation around measurement and attribution. If you'd said to me two years ago or three years ago that some of the most sophisticated performance marketers on the planet would start leveraging MMM as a way to make investment decisions, I would have said you were insane. But because MMM does not rely upon PII, it's one of the best tools available to so many of our marketers these days. And what is happening is a lot of data science rich 
organizations are moving into MMM and are really modernizing the MMM structure using incrementality to calibrate. So I think that's a massive change that we're seeing in the market. I think another big change we're seeing in the market that's being driven by privacy is this notion of having multiple measurement sources. So rather than a single model, whether it be a last click model or a multi-touch attribution model, or even an MMM, it's having three or four different tools that you might use to measure your investment in marketing, and then really begin to explore the contradictions in those models and then the similarities in order to land on a better investment decision. I think there's so much good here. I do think that the partners that lean into innovation in attribution, and again, it's like the last place you would ever expect innovation. It's like with so many of our partners, it's owned by the finance team and it's just to validate your investment decisions. But I think that companies that can lean into innovation around marketing analytics and attribution have a massive opportunity to move share because it's so unclear and defined in this post-privacy era. Yes, measurement and reporting as well as incrementality measurement is extremely difficult in a privacy-first world. But there are ways to do it. They are not easy and all the science is being still developed, but it is fascinating to see innovation in the space. And yes, lots of great memories of several years digging into the business and innovating together, Simon. Switching gears, many of our sophisticated advertisers, as well as early advertisers, they all leverage third-party ecosystems like agencies, marketing partners, and contractors, and so on. What are your thoughts on the future of agencies and marketing partners when more and more of the work is leveraging AI and automation? You know, firstly, let me say, up until I moved into my current role where I oversee retail and e-com, I'd worked with very few agencies over the last eight years. I tended to work with a lot of digital natives who we worked with direct. So I'd say in the last six months, in particular, I've been exposed to a lot of agencies after a break in working with agencies of many years. And I've actually been incredibly impressed with a lot of the people I've met and the agencies I've worked with. And I think there's huge opportunity here. Firstly, I've been surprised by how agencies have responded to Advantage Plus shopping campaigns. Because again, this is an automated product that makes decisions that many advertising agencies used to make on behalf of their clients. But actually, some of the agencies we work with have been the fastest to adopt to this product and really lean into this product and understand how to leverage it. So speed of adoption there has surprised me, but has been very impressive. Now, this idea of an ASC-like product, we're not first to market with this. Google um, brought Performance Max to market before we did. So I think the agency ecosystem was used to the idea. And then I think there are advantages that ASC has versus other competitors, other similar products in market. So that might be one of the reasons why the reception has been so positive. I think that marketing analytics is another area where I'm seeing some of our agencies really lean in, particularly some of the disruptor agencies that we work with that specialize in specific vertical segments of the market. So that's another area where I'm seeing agencies really spend time is around marketing analytics and attribution. What I talked about earlier is creative. We have spent so long at Meta really understanding you know, the impact of signal in terms of training machine learning algorithms, 
so we can serve the right ad to the right person at the right time. We've spent so much time around optimization and measurement and other parts of the science of the performance marketing journey. We've spent very little time on creative as an industry, I think. And I always harken back to a conversation you had with me years ago. I think it must have been 2018 or 2019 when you said, this is the great frontier, Simon. There's so much more that we could do here. And I still think that's true today. And I think agencies have a massive role to play here. What are the elements inside of a creative that are driving performance? How can we think about creative as a targeting tool in order to unlock incremental audiences? And I see this all the time. I see clients who have creative and I will say to them, do you feel like this creative is different? And they will say, yes, it's vastly different. And then I share with them that our auction actually sees these two pieces of creative as 89% the same or 92% the same. And their minds are blown by this. And what we've seen in the data is differentiated creative that unlocks incremental audience can allow you to reach more people for less investment and drive performance outcomes at the same time. And then another area is really about building more creative. And we know creative is incredibly expensive and difficult to do. So how do you make that back out in a performance marketing world? I think there's a lot of work agencies can do there. And I also think something like generative AI is also going to play a big role here in terms of lowering the cost of differentiated creative. Yes, I still believe there is so much more opportunity in creative innovation all across the advertising and an organic marketing landscape as well. And since we are talking about creative, it's a good segue into our next topic, which is reels and short form video. Reels and short form video have been around and everybody knew kind of it's going to be big someday, but it crept up and it's become this huge movement right now where most of the content consumption is moving towards short form video. How do our advertisers and companies advertising successfully on Reels, like what are the things that they do differently and what advice do you have for marketers who maybe haven't really thought about Reels or have thought about Reels but are not thinking about it strategically enough for their business? Yeah, I mean, Reels is the next frontier. And I think the biggest opportunity that Reels presents is an abundance of younger demographic audiences, particularly Gen Z and younger millennial audiences. This is the content that those audiences are attracted to. And that's where we see them in abundance on our platforms, on meta platforms. So, so first and foremost, I think it's the opportunity here is the ability to reach a new incremental audience of Gen Z. It's also a completely different creative platform and a completely different creative canvas. And I think what we see time and again, whether it be brand or performance minded advertisers is clients or partners that take the time to build bespoke Reels creative see exponentially better results than those who do not. So spending the time to build out creative for the former, I think is incredibly important and where I would urge our partners to really lean in. I think right now, if I were to say, you know, is there a sweet spot? I would say like that mid funnel sweet spot is certainly there is the ability to drive consideration and increasingly the ability to drive conversion, but certainly the ability to drive consideration. 
And I think that's where our superpower really comes into play. We have, even within Instagram, we have multiple surfaces available. And you could really think of Instagram almost as a customer funnel where we can leverage different surfaces in order to drive customers down funnel to a conversion event. So I think that's a big opportunity. And then finally, it's about creators. Now, so many of our Gen Z and younger millennial customers are using creators to make purchase decisions, right? The word of creators and the recommendation of creators is incredibly powerful. And when you bring the best of meta platforms in terms of our ads product and our ad stack and our ability to serve the right ad to the right person at the right time, along with a creative voice that opens up incremental, a creative voice that opens up incremental new audience, I think that is the opportunity that I get the most excited about as we look to the long term, is really that intersection of creators and our ad platform and the ability for us to drive performance outcomes. Fascinating stuff. We have talked about a lot of things and we mentioned AI several times. Our clients are getting hit with the word AI from every possible angle that you can think of. How should businesses start to build AI capabilities in the context of marketing? What are some of the conversations you are having with our most sophisticated partners? It's fascinating right now. You know, you spend any time in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's all that anybody is talking about is AI. And again, I think there's a lot of opinions at both ends of the spectrum. But I think at the negative end, I think there's a lot of fear about what AI will mean in terms of a marketing organization of the future. I think that as we look at it, automation of marketing is probably the biggest opportunity, but also I think the biggest fear for our partners. So I think it's really important as we think through that particular challenge for our partners, if certain parts of your marketing organization are actually going to be better served by automation over time, then where can you lean in and build out a competitive advantage outside of just AI? And I think that one of those areas, which I think is a massive opportunity for our clients, is really about understanding customer value and customer LTV. I think that by freeing up the marketing organization to spend much more time really understanding predicted LTV, building out more sophisticated LTV curves is an area of huge opportunity for marketing organizations. I think we've already talked about creative a huge amount here. Spending time really understanding creative is another area where I think our partners can free up their time as well. But yeah, I think the automation component, I think is the immediate opportunity for partners to lean into that I see in the market right now. Certainly. So Simon, in Silicon Valley and in the marketing ecosystem, the word AI is thrown about everywhere and our clients are hearing this everywhere they go. And they are starting to think about how to get started with AI or where to invest in building AI capabilities on their teams. What are some of the things that you are talking about with our partners and what is the advice you give them? Yeah, I think I would say over the last six months, really through ChatGPT and then the momentum that came out of ChatGPT, AI feels like a freight train that is coming down the tracks incredibly quickly. And it couldn't be happening a more scary time in terms of the 
where the global economy is and the fact that many companies are reducing their workforces at this moment in time. AI could not be happening at a more scary time. And I think that both people we work with on a day-to-day -day basis, as well as companies as a whole, are fearful of what the future might bring. And there's obvious concern that AI could put everybody out of a job. I think the uncomfortable truth here is people need to lean in. The advertisers that we work with, the companies we work with, need to lean in because it's inevitable that it's coming. And it's important that you really understand the opportunities that it presents for your business. And not only the opportunities the AI presents for your business, but also the advantage you can leverage for the human portion of your business. So again, I've talked about creative. I think it's a big opportunity. Creative is an interesting thing to think about over time, using AI to generate your own creative. Creative is incredibly expensive. We know on our platform that you need a lot of it, particularly as it becomes fatigued. If you can leverage AI here inside of your business to more cheaply produce creative that is more effective, think about the impact that could have on your overarching business. That alone could be utterly transformative. Absolutely, Simon. And definitely AI is a freight train and you can either get on it or stay off it and let it pass by. I did read somewhere that AI is not going to steal someone's job, but another person using AI better than them is going to steal their jobs. And I do think and certainly see that AI is going to help people accomplish a lot more. And there is a human element of using AI that is going to continue to be there. Thank you very much, Simon, for all the words of wisdom that you have shared with our listeners today. It was certainly a pleasure having you here. Are there any parting thoughts that you want to share with our audience before we wrap up? Yeah, I would stick on that AI theme that you were on in that quote that you shared. You know, I think it's really clear to me. And again, if I think back over the course of my career, this has been incredibly true. The things that are the most scary are probably the things that you should be running towards the fastest. And then the things that are most comfortable are the ones that you should be running away from as quickly as possible. And I think AI is a classic example of that. I think it's very scary and therefore it's something that you need to understand and you need to understand how to leverage it for the benefit of your business as quickly as you possibly can. And again, I think that we have seen this throughout history when there has been a massive technological advancement, those who are prepared to disrupt themselves and those who are prepared to run and adopt and learn as quickly as possible are generally the companies that thrive at the expense of those who do not. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Simon Whitcomb, one of the most advanced and knowledgeable person on advertising on Meta. Thank you, Simon. Thanks, Vossel. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'd like to thank Vatsal Meta and Simon Whitcomb for sharing their time and insight with us. You can find links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Thank you for listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast.